Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have a delightful conversation. The topic tonight, four strategies to transform stress into success. And our guest today is Chad E. Cooper. We're going to bring Chad on in just a minute. But, I mean, I just wanted to touch on the notion of uh, kind of a fundamental principle of this radio show, and that's the really the infinite power of the human potential, the human persona. I mean, how many times have we talked about um, expanding our our own potential? And uh, it's a curious thing because I don't think there's any limit to who we can become over our lifetime. And uh, what I really like about tonight's episode is uh, we're going to delve into that and and look at some of the excuses that we might often use for ourselves. For example, there, there I don't have enough time, or or I'm too stressed out. Uh, thing, uh, the very typical blocks that we can have in our in our lives. And uh, I think the conversation we're going to have tonight is going to be spot on for this. Um, I think we ought to jump right into it because I think um, Chad brings a lot of uh, experience and material, and I think it's going to prove to be a very uh, powerful conversation. Um, the, the show title is Four Strategies to Transform Stress into Success, and that's the subtitle of Chad's book, Time Isn't the Problem, You Are. <laughs> and so, um, just a little bit about Chad before we get started. Um, as, as the founder and creator of Legendary Life, Chad inspires his audience to generate the power to make, as well as the art and science to navigate their own intentional life. The result is more money, time, harmony, and fulfillment without losing one's sense of spirit in the process. I like that aspect. Chad powerfully transforms the clarity of who a person is and how they can show up for life. Life isn't about either or decisions. It's about creating yes and opportunities. Chad is frequently requested by top financial moguls, United Nations representatives, professional athletes from WBO, MLB, NHL, NFL, USAT, university coaches, Olympic gold medalists, and more. Formerly a corporate executive in the IT industry, Chad retired at the young age of 35 and has been making an impact on others ever since. Is an accomplished athlete, businessman, philanthropist, super dad, devoted husband, and former top coach with the number one coaching organization in the world. Join me in welcoming Chad to the show. Chad, I'm so glad you could join us tonight. It is an absolute delight and pleasure, Les, and I couldn't concur more. Let's dive in. Let's have some fun. <laughs> Now, now, right off the top in your bio, you, you retired at the young age of 35, and and uh, I'm no sproctologist, but I guess you're a little bit older than that now. Um, how early in your life did you see yourself as uh, this kind of achiever? Well, it's interesting. I, I appreciate the question, Les, and... I actually just had a conversation with one of my nephews on, I think it was Tuesday, and he's 18, coming up on 19, and he said, uh, Uncle Chad, I, I, I wanna, I've i got some money I want to start investing in stocks, and 
I'd like to know some things about that. And he knows about my background. So I had this conversation with him and I said, you know, it just occurred to me, I started at the same age that you did. So you're in a great place and a great opportunity because when you get to your mid thirties, you are going to pull away from the competition because you have such a head start. And so I would say it allowed me to realize that's about when I started. I was about 19 years old, and I sat down. I was actually listening to Personal Power and Tony Robbins. I think it was like the first version less. And I sat down, and I actually was one of the few in the rare that actually completed it. And so that really helped me be able to get the vision and clarity. What did I want my life to look like in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s? Right. Well, that I, that early start, I I think, um, probably got woven into the fabric of who you are. Um, when we look at uh, people who are more established, should we say, in, in the adult phase of their life, a lot of times they can uh, drop into a kind of a, a habitual pattern of, quote, whatever is normal, unquote, for them. And that, and we all know that the range of, what should I say, effectiveness as far as about uh, bringing about what they want in their life can vary immensely. Some people kind of, kind of surrender with life, and they, they let go of the rudder, and and they've kind of given up. And others try to make changes, and they can't really get traction. And then there's people, perhaps like you, that, that. Uh, have a level of impact that's consistent throughout their life. When we talk about adults making changes in their life, I mean, um, how, how can somebody really get excited about creating new outcomes if they've had just uh, a decade or two of the same results? We'll see that it, to get excited really is about being able and a willingness to get still and, and to get quiet within ourselves. If we are focusing and saying, you know, up to this point, I've, I've had lackluster results or I haven't really been able to manifest the, the dreams and the aspirations I want, I would say part of that is, is begin with having some empathy and compassion for yourself. It's not your fault entirely. Now, we get 168 hours a week, no more, no less. So when I say, you know, time isn't the problem you are, it's about an acknowledgement of, hey, i got to be part of the solution if I'm also part of the problem. But part of the problem in that less is that we can look at, and I'm going to age myself here or date myself with a, a name called Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker brilliantly decades ago said, the biggest threat to our society is not war. It's not poverty, and it's not technology. It's the inability to manage oneself. So we have a challenge with, well, I'm supposed to go and do these things. I'm expected to get my college degree, all of these societal expectations. But if we don't stop and say, what are my innate gifts, and how do I merge those with learned talents, it's no wonder why you keep stumbling. The second part of it is uh, a friend of mine, 25-year Navy SEAL commander. So taking the special forces, the elite of the elite, and being able to see what are the tool sets, what is the mindset that they use in the mental fortitude. And Mark Devine says the industrial age brought material prosperity that eliminated a lot of natural challenges life used to deliver. But it also has brought about obesity, poor health, a lack of of purposeful existence and a general malaise with an alarmingly large percentage of the population in dependency. And so we have to be willing to say, what's my mission? We have to declare a mission and freely pursue that. The second part of that is to acknowledge if you want to accomplish anything great, then we have to ignore and tune out Hollywood. Somewhere along the lines, we were told, oh, you shouldn't experience discomfort or pain. Well, guess what? It's in that moment of discomfort that your greatness is defined. So it's a willingness to have some empathy as well as the ability to say pain's part of the journey. Suffering is a choice. 
and we choose not to suffer. Right. Well, I could see this relating to um, perhaps uh, the notion of millennials that have graduated from college and and uh, from their perspective, their only choice is uh, minimum wage jobs and living in their parents' basement. It's it's kind of the same dynamic, really, in the sense that um, if you if you kind of keep your attention on what uh, society has told us, there's there's no opportunity there, um, and whatnot, and you do not um, birth yourself. Um, from the inside, that um, it really it really does come down to you. It does land in your lap, doesn't it? A, a, a vast majority of it, absolutely, is going to land on your plate. And so we have really kind of two types of people in the world. We have people that live in effect, and we have people that live in cause. And the solopreneur, the entrepreneur, the leaders of the world are people that generate their energy, generate their resourcefulness. And that's only about 3% of the world today. 97% of the world lives in effect. They live in the effect of other people's decisions. So what does that mean? Well, it means that they accept what they get instead of getting what they accept. So the first question is, do I accept what I get or do I define my standards and do I say, no, I'm going to continue until I get what I accept? And that was really a principle that I learned early on in life when, when I went into – so I graduated high school and two days later went into the Marine Corps. And I was a mama's boy. I was, was one of six <laughs> – boys in three sisters in one of the youngest and so I was kind of coddled and, and was you know grew up in a John Wayne uh, house and in many ways was tough but in many ways I, w- I was a mama's boy well the Marine Corps right. has a very unique way of turning you into a man and what happened and this is, is for the millennials this is for anyone that says I got my eye on something and I want to achieve it well I was in boot camp and I had the flu And my drill instructors, in their most loving, tender, and gentle way, had a very unique way of helping me with that. And they said, drop and give us push-ups. And you don't ask how many. You just keep going until they say, you're done. And for whatever reason, somebody had a watch. You weren't supposed to have any personal items, no watches or anything. They don't want you knowing the time. I did push-ups less for 45 minutes straight. Now think about that. The average person, even in good health, would struggle to do probably five minutes. And I did it for 45 minutes with the flu coming out both ends. And it was in that moment that I realized we are capable of 20 times more than what our emotions will tell us. And so we have to find the strength of the purpose because it's the strength of the purpose that will actually keep us going when the pain begins. So if you are coming out of college, you don't have something to define yourself. Instead of using discipline, instead of watching a three-minute YouTube or trying to get that quick fix, instead I would say it's not your strength that's going to hold you to your purpose. It's the strength of the purpose itself. Find out why it's a must for you. And from there, nothing will get in the way of, of preventing you from victory. Right. Well, I mean, you threw out some pretty substantial numbers there in when you said 3% of the population is um, so fully driven, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and 97% um, feel like they live at, uh, from the effect of their environment. It's uh, those are pretty wild numbers as far as um, ratios, and it seems to me that uh, I, I know it's like New Year's resolution, right? Um, the, the gym has uh, uh, a special discount price January first for a year membership, and here here comes uh, February fifteenth, and the place is a ghost town. 
it it's kind of like breaking through the uh, uh, the the drudgery, if you will, uh, of of our past experiences. In other words, uh, we've lived such a habitual life, such as a similar re, uh, reproduction of the same thing for decades. To really break out of that and and break into that intentional uh, ability to create, um, those numbers would suggest that it's not a very common thing for people to pull off. Uh, I, I would agree. Uh, based on the statistics, you're you're probably right about that. So <laughs> the question is, how do we? Is it really something that's you know, is Bill Gates uniquely different than other people? Well, in some respects, yes. But the one thing that he can't do, the one thing that Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, and anyone on this planet cannot buy an extra hour in a week. You get 168 hours, no more, no less. So what separates the boys from the men and the women from the girls is how we utilize that time. That's the great equalizer. So we can look at it and go, oh, I'm not in the 3%. I might as well just give up. Or we can look at it and say, what's it going to take for me to get there? And so the difference is in that 97% less, they're asking the question, why? Why am I not part of the 3%? Why wasn't I born into the right uh, economy or the right uh, socioeconomic or the right gender or the right uh, ethnicity or whatever it is, the right neighborhood? A better question is a what or a how. What am I prepared to do about it? Or how am I going to be part of that small elite crowd? So it's how Warren Buffett and Bill Gates use that time that allows them to be in that small group of highly accomplished people. So it doesn't matter what our background is. It's what are we prepared to do to achieve what matters most to us. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And what I, you know, we talked a little uh, earlier today, and uh, <laughs> I, I I told you that you're not giving any you're not giving people any place to hide with this idea that time's not the problem and to exaggerate on that the environment's not the the problem your your upbringing's not the problem you're you're really landing it in a person's lap that whether somebody um, can create what they want or whether they don't create what they want, it all lands on ourselves then, really. Is, is that right? Well, I would say that part of it is, is ourselves, and we also have a, a responsibility. There was a, a popularized statement that Ronald Reagan made in his era, and that was trust but verify. And it's actually a Russian uh, proverb is where, where it originates. And so we can say – if it's my responsibility, then I can be optimistic that when people want to share advice with me, when people want to give me recommendations, when people want to point me in the right direction, trust that they have good intentions. But it's still our responsibility to verify that it's appropriate and timely information that fits our particular needs and purposes. So let me say that again. You're not a victim. Are you using your past? Are you using a tragedy, something that happened to you as an excuse or as an explanation? Because we all have a, a form of tragedy. To compare it is the thief of joy. Your tragedy was tragic. We don't need to compare it to mine or anybody else's. The question is, are you using that as an excuse or an explanation? And if you're using it as an explanation, then we can say, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to reach out and ask for help. So if you say, yeah, but I don't have the financial means, trust me, I work with professional athletes. NFL 
does not stand for National Football League. It stands for not for long. Average football, average professional athlete is injured out or cut within 18 months of their career. 18 months, less than two years less. Wow. And so they don't have the big, you know, $120 million contract. That's reserved for the elite few. And so they're going, wait a minute, I, I went to college, I did all these things, I did it all right, I did what I was supposed to, and now my dreams have vanished. So we can say, yeah, was I a victim? No. Well, I don't have the funds to, to do this or that. Well, you know what? There's this thing called a library. There's a thing called the Internet. Check it out. So it's a matter of how resourceful do you want to get in that 168 hours versus blaming or using it as an excuse to make poor decisions that are unhealthy. Right. Well, I, I really like what you uh, what you said that when you were phrasing. Well, wait a minute. I followed the rules. Uh, to, to to just um, elaborate a little bit. I followed the rules. I I went to school. I went to college. I got a degree. You know, it it it's kind of the classic. Um, well, I. Uh, I abided or I fulfilled the requirements of society. Now, damn it, where's the prize? Where's the, where's, where's the trophy in the sense of I should be able to stand on my own two feet now and, and provide for myself? And, and in our dynamic, so many people have followed, so to speak, the, uh, the unspoken rules or the unspoken expectation of society going to college, getting a degree, et cetera. And, and it really takes some, uh, some introflection to recognize that society is not going to per se be the, um, the mystic or the oracle, I guess oracle is the word I'm looking for, that's going to tell you how to take your life and turn it around into what you want. I mean, if you do follow the rules of society, and then and then you find yourself more or less at a, a dead end as far as guidance, it, it's really calling you to look within yourself, I would suggest, that uh, I like what you say about your own, uh, your own talent, the, the inherent gifts that you have. So how, how would you, how would you, um, describe as far as how people can recognize what their inherent gifts are because sometimes I think people don't recognize their their own inherent value incidental or regardless of of their education or regardless of their um, upbringing uh, the, that inherently internal gift that everyone has Great question, and I'd like to break it out into two two components or, or two pieces. And the first is, is, as you were saying, about society, and, you know, I followed all the rules. Well, if we're living by society's standards, it's a really low bar. Even a dead fish can, <laughs> can float downstream less, and that's society today. Right, right. It takes, it takes persistence and consistency to be a salmon and swim against the current. But that's where the prize is. And society's going to tell you, oh, that looks like work. Well, Henry Ford said, success is missed by the masses because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. So are we willing to be abnormal? People will tell me, they're like, you're not normal. Like, oh, thank God. Thank you. <laughs> boring. Normal is boring and unsuccessful. And so the first is, is what are the models of people that inspire you, that you, you are you know, looking to say, I want that? Who are your spiritual leaders, people that model those values? Who are, are your material achievers that value those models? Because the reality is it's really not that difficult to reach out and say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Or you know what? Can you buy me a cup of coffee? I don't even, can't even afford that right now. 
but it's the question of are you willing to put yourself out there and get uncomfortable? So when people come to me and they say, hey, will you coach me? I said, this is an interview on both sides because I can help you if you're at the top of your game and you're motivated to stay there. I can help you if you are absolutely at, at rock bottom because on either side of that spectrum, less I have leverage where I can't help anyone. It doesn't matter how talented or skilled I am, I can't help people who are comfortable because there's no leverage in comfort. It's a great place to go vacation. You don't want to live there long term because there's no leverage. And leverage is where we get our jet fuel to move forward. So that's the, the first part of that is to say, where are the people I want to aspire to hanging out? And go hang out there. And maybe it starts with your local community, and then you can wait, work your way up to maybe some bigger names when you earn that right. The second part of, of that was the, the time aspect of it, and that is how are we actually going to manifest these changes? How are we actually going to utilize that? And again, that's going to go back to the model of being able to partition that time, to be able to, to utilize where are the resources. Well, history will tell us that history repeats itself. And so there's a ton of information, but we got to be willing to get away from the popularized uh, social indoctrination. We have a, a culture in the Western Hemisphere of people doing religion and not actually being religious. And so we need to be able to trust, okay, here's some good information, and then be able to vet and look at that and say, is it appropriate for me? So there was a second part in your question. I apologize. I got on, on the my uh, soapbox there. What was the, the second part to your, your question that, that we were going to answer? Well, uh, we were talking about the notion of, of following society's rules. And then um, on the flip side of that is, is finding the passion within your own self. Um, ah, there you go. I, Thank I, you. <laughs> I, I think the, um, there's something that happens to you when you find that inner current, that that inner passion. That when when you spend your consciousness, look, uh, embodying perhaps is the word. What truly gets you excited? Because I mean, I've I've never spoken of this on this radio show, but you've made me think, and. Because I didn't go to college, I I barely graduated from high school, and and I I rose through the ranks to director of technology and broadcast television, and when I look back, it I I've had a passion for uh, electronics. I mean, it gets me genuinely excited to to get in over my head and have to have to figure things out. And the reason I bring that up is, is to, I think there's some magic that happens when we when we truly discover that inner gift, and that's what we were talking about. How do you how do you recognize that that inner gift if it's not obvious to you? I'm so glad that you asked that question and that you remembered it because I forgot it. <laughs> so what I often see is that people go through these exercises. They're like, you know, what's my life purpose? So as Mark Twain said, the two most important days in his life was the day he was born and the day he discovered why. And so we are wanting and seeking the answer to why, what is my purpose here? And unfortunately, how many of us less are told, well, it's to aspire to this job title. It's to be able to live in this neighborhood. It's to drive this kind of, of model vehicle and have the latest and greatest. It's to get your images out on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and some exotic location to show the world how exotic and awesome your life is. Right. Only to get there and go – is this all there is? Tell me there's got to be something more. We have a 
we have just a huge, unfortunate list of celebrities that have done that only to kill themselves. We yeah, have the now. highest number of suicides going on over the last 50 years. We are at an all-time high of suicides. Why? Because we lack a purposeful existence. So how do we discover a purposeful existence? It's easy, a lot easier than you might think. Our purpose is not a thing. Our purpose is how we want to feel consistently. It's a set of feelings, Les. How do we want to feel on a daily basis? As you said, you're, you're like a geek of technology. Well, te- being a geek in technology is cool. You make a lot of money with that today. But it took courage for you to pursue that passion. So if we know how we want to feel, and with a professional athlete, when they're transitioning, I work um, particularly with those that are transitioning either into the pros or in aspiring to be in it or have had a career and are transitioning out into the next field or career of their life. And they go, you know, what's my purpose? Well, if we know how we want to feel, we want to feel a sense of adventure. We want to feel that variety that that maybe technology brings. We want to feel that we can contribute. We want to feel a sense of freedom. What we need to do is look in our past and, and write down in paragraph in as much detail all of the happiest memories you can think of from the earliest all the way up to the current. And then go through and circle. So if you do nothing else, if you hear nothing else from, from today's you know, share, is sit down and take the time. It will take you a half hour, 40 minutes tops. And write in as much clarity and detail your happiest memories. Were you outside? Was there grass? Were you alone? Were you with others? What was the smell? What were you hearing? What did you see? And when we do that and we can write down how it made us feel throughout that whole thing, we can circle all of those feelings and we will see certain emotions continue to repeat if we do seven to ten of these memories. Those are your core values. That's how you want to feel. Then it's easy for us to go, okay, what are the vehicles that will actually allow that to unfold, to happen? What would be in this career? Oh, it would be in this kind of relationship. Oh, it would be living in this kind of area of life or geography. See, what we do is we go, oh, that looks like it's promising. I'm going to go over there, and I hope that it meets my needs. But you don't know what your core values are until you know the feelings that you want to experience. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It made me think of uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, Follow Your Bliss. I mean, that feeling. You're talking about taking inventory of of those moments in your life when when you were immersed in it, when you were consumed by your own passion, perhaps, and... Uh, and and those are the guideposts. Those are the 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 inner indicators, if you will, of of your um, passion, of your of your gifts, of of why you're uniquely you. And then I like what you said about writing that down and really taking inventory and spend some time honing in on that. Because I, you know, I don't know how many people. We've interviewed on the show uh, where um, people want to know, why am I here? I mean, what is my gift? And a lot of times they can't see it for themselves. So I really like that example that you gave about honing in on on those those moments in the past when you were when you, when you were dialed in. So so let's flip that over then if. Uh, if if I just graduated from college and I don't see any clear dynamic in my life, and um, as far as I can, um, if I don't see any opportunities, it would serve me well to to um, hone in on on um, what gets me passionate, what what connects me with that that feeling, if you will, regardless of of the outcome and I guess what I'm getting at here is uh, 
um, if you're going to be a, a speaker on a radio or a public speaker, you don't have to wait till you're in front of a microphone or up on a stage to, to learn how to articulate and convey the information that you want to share. And, I, and likewise, if you have a passion, if you have a passion within you, you don't have to wait till somebody hires you to practice, to exercise, to hone that passion. Um, so I, I really like uh, how you've shared um, honing in on that. Yeah, and you, you mentioned and talk about millennials. I think millennials are way ahead of previous generations in the in regards to this particular uh, quality and discovering their purpose. A millennial will leave a career or leave a job much easier and in, in quicker than uh, basically previous generations, we'll just say. And they, right. their, their common general belief is I've got to feel like I'm serving a purpose. There's got to be a purpose to this. The problem is if they don't know and they're not rooted in their core values, then they will jump from job to job to job, and that doesn't look so great on a resume. So if they will right. pause and do this work, they can actually see what are the roots that feed their spirit, feed their ability to earn a stable income. But it requires us to do this foundational work first so that then when they make the decision, they're not just going, well, it didn't meet my needs. I hope I find something else. They can say, oh, no, actually, I know exactly what I'm looking for. And then right. they can look, be targeted and where they can find that. And so it, it's about that combination of that willingness to, to build the foundation. So if we look at um, you're, you're in, in the uh, mountainous areas, and you've seen a pine tree knocked over roots and all, I'm sure, right? Or it, it just up, yep. uproots the entire tree. And that's yep. usually from a storm, heavy rains, et cetera. Well, a pine tree has shallow root system, but an oak tree has a deep root and a tap root system that holds it very firmly in the ground. And society is going to tell us less that the fruits of our labor are at the treetop, right? When right now is the, the colors are changing and we go, oh, look at all this color. Well, that's how society judges us, by the, 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 the leaves. And who's got the most beautiful tree canopy? But the nutrition actually doesn't come from the, the leaves. Yeah, they get a little bit of photosynthesis, but the majority of nutrition and nourishment comes from the roots. And so we owe it to ourselves to look at what are our unique gifts, our roots. Because when we are rooted in our values and know what those are, it doesn't matter what storm hits us in life. It won't knock us over. No matter right. what kind of job isn't fulfilling us, we have a root system to say, okay, I can transition into what really does matter. And I have to, to give a nod to the millennials. They have the courage to be able to, to think differently and to do that. And they actually have much more in common with the World War II generation more than any other, and that is they're willing to get resourceful. They're willing to say, right. I'm going to do this differently to find it way forward right and yeah i agree with you in that they're like their uh bs detector i mean they'll they'll feel something and say this doesn't feel right and they'll move along and they won't spend 30 years there so so what about um say for example the baby boomers or or uh, perhaps slightly younger um, folks in the sense that um, maybe they've uh, they've had a, a career of several decades and and the the joy is gone and what I'm getting at is um, a lot of times we'll have phases in our life and and we'll enter a career when we're young and and um, excited about something and then we don't we have perhaps the opposite of the millennial effect where we'll stay there for a decade or three 
and and the joy is gone and the 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 fulfillment sense of fulfillment's gone um how how do you uh reprogram your life like um midstream or or in the middle of it and and like redefine yourself when you when you find like maybe you've gone through a divorce or you feel like you're at a dead-end job. Well, I'll use the example professional athletes transitioning out of their career. And if we look at that, one of the things that we can look at and appreciate about Olympians is most Olympians have learned how to compress time. Think about it. A gold medalist is usually in their late to mid-teens. If they're past their 20s, it's, it's unique. So they are peaking their career, career, in their teens. Wow. And then they're not the Michael Phelps. They're not the Mary Lou Rettons that are, like, making a crap load of money off of marketing in, in Wheaties boxes. The vast majority of them don't get to capitalize in the cash flow. And so they right. go, okay, now what? Well, it's the same thing with a professional athlete transitioning out of a long-term career. It's also the same thing as a person that was career in whatever blue-collar or white-collar career that says, okay, I'm going to retire. Now what? Well, we have to look at our beginnings and know what is our purpose. We have to say, what were the feelings that I got on my best days in my career? What were the, the things that I that really resonated? What were the things outside of my career? And we can get our roots, find out what feelings we want to experience daily, and then take those and say, okay, now what's available to me? What else can I do? And so today we have a lot of these baby boomers that are transitioning into retirement. And statistically, if you do not have a new identity to transition into less, a new identity to transition into, then you will still meet your needs for significance and connection. Just may not be a very healthy way. That's why so many get sick. That's why so many people die shortly after they retire if they don't have a reason to get their butt out of bed still. See, when we have an, a new identity that fulfills us, meaning it allows us to feel a certain way, then we have happiness, fulfillment, and joy. And so it's about right. not saying, here's what's missing. It's about asking, what is it that actually I want to feel? And what are the vehicles? What are the roles? What are the opportunities that allow me to actually experience that continuously? But let's also make sure we don't forget to ask the question, what's the price you're willing to pay to experience that joy ride? If we don't ask what we're willing to give in exchange for it, the universe may set it at a really big price. So we have to be clear what we're willing to give in exchange for that and what we're not. Right. So if you want, a, if you want a, a, an incredible new, new career, are you willing to give time to go and get a new certification or go to, to college and get a new degree? Are you willing to give up your marriage and end up in divorce? Are you willing to give up some personal time, maybe some sleep? Where do you draw the boundaries? Right. Well, you know, I find it curious. Um, um, I'm, I'm in the baby boomer category and I I think that the baby boomers have a a very uh, a very um, valuable um, gift or perspective of when life was simple and peaceful and easy. I mean, I remember as a kid, you'd run out the front door at six in the morning. You wouldn't tell anybody where you're going, and you might go 200 miles away from town, and you're your friend's brother's car, and not get home till dark, and nobody worried and and i'm i'm deviating but um i think every generation has um a lot to offer so um we've got about 10 minutes left here i want to i want to hear some of your story um so if 
if you retired at the age of 35, how did your life evolve um, as you progressed through it, um, having retired so early? Well, I started defining what I wanted my life to look like in middle, you know, at, at 18, 19 years old. Middle age is like 40, right? You're ancient if you're 40. Now I've surpassed that by quite a bit here in going, uh, what are you talking about? I'm still 19. So, right, yeah. what I, so having that clarity initially allowed me to be able to achieve all of those goals and aspirations by my mid-30s, five years before I actually predicted that I would. And I actually applied for a Guinness World Record of, of the most uh, common bucket list items uh, checked off. And because that list is not definitive, uh, they said it, it's too subjective, but thank you. Um, awesome job. But what happened shortly after that was a really kind of a midlife crisis of I achieved everything. Oh crap. Now what less? And I call that the, the Apollo moon landing syndrome. Many people right. don't know that the Apollo, Apollo astronauts, most of them suffered from severe depression. Because once you go to the moon, once you go to space, how do you top that, brother? <laughs> right. And so the problem is when we focus on the vehicle instead of the feelings, we can get lost. And I'm not an exception. So in my you know, late 30s to, to early 40s, all of this unfolded. The book, the, I have a 12-week program, the coaching, all of that because I went, crap, now what am I going to do? And so I went, well, let me re reverse engineer. What did, what did I do to get to this point? And so this was actually a selfish solution in, in a need for me to figure it out for myself. And then I sat back and said, wait, wait a minute. I see a lot of these gurus and teachers and experts out there that are like, oh, if you just do these things, then you'll have the results. Well, that journey worked for them. Is it agnostic? Can, in other words, can I give this to anyone and they can produce the results they want? Or do they actually have to follow exactly the journey I did? That's the problem where I see a lot of experts out there today, is it isn't actually able to work in your unique journey. And so my right. unique journey has been filled with tragedies. Uh, I, you name it, I can tell you I've probably experienced it from um, growing up with alcoholism to divorced parents to uh, you name it across the board, loss of a child, all of that stuff. That's not what I focus on. And each of those, most recently, I tore my Achilles 100% at the bone, worst possible tear you can have. And I'm a former athlete, was, had 33 major sponsors uh, on the Ironman circuit, and my surgeon said, you're done. You're not coming back from this one. This isn't like your NFL and NBA clients. You don't come back from this this degree of, of tear. And I was good with it. And people would, would say to me, they're like, um, dude, you're totally handicapped. You can't even walk right now. And yet you have joy and gratitude. What's up with that? And I said, there's always gratitude. There's always an opportunity in the midst of what you perceive as a setback. Your job is to find what's the gift in this. And for me, it was to be still. And to listen to God telling me, that part of you is done. I don't need you for that anymore. What I need you now to do is carry a new message and inspire people in some new ways. But what was underneath all of that is my values, how I wanted to feel. So I could transition into a different industry, a different field, and still find joy and gratitude. Because I can be an athlete in other ways. I can still find that fulfillment. And so my journey has been anywhere from retiring from Microsoft to getting all my securities and exchange licenses to working with Bill Gates, Tony Robbins, billionaires, you know, big names that are out there to being able to be a solopreneur, buy and sell companies. But trust me, there's been pain. There's been tragedy in there. But in every bit of it, I look for what's right instead of focusing on what's wrong. 
Well, nice. That that resiliency is uh, gives you immense freedom. I mean, uh, with your Achilles, you could easily sit there and gloat and uh, and have that be more or less the end of your uh, sense of self. And and but yet, as you've just spoken, your that resiliency you have to um, to keep focused on what brings you that passion, that joy, the platform that it occupies has evolved so many times over your life that no matter, really, no matter what happens, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no matter what happens, you understand that that, that there's no end game in the sense that a particular event doesn't stop anything if, if you stay connected to that that passion. You know, um, time can go by pretty fast. I want to make sure our audience understands how they can interact with you. I mean, um, give us an idea of your platform, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, over the Internet, um, uh, speaking to groups. T take the time and, and share with us your the platform you've created for you to do what you do. I'd love to leave you with, with two things. One is a second something that's been very impactful and powerful in my life. And that is I wish that I was all that in a bag of chips. I'm an ordinary guy that has been blessed with understanding the gifts that God has given me. And if we look at all of the religions around the world the, and we look at all sports around the world, one of the things that I, I discovered last, one of the things that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett talked about in January 20, 2018 was the need to take a pit stop. Padding isn't just for furniture. And I, I use a, I'll use a quick analogy of a sports car, a, a Formula One race car driver. You can be the best, most talented race car driver in the world. You can have the most advanced technological vehicle in the world. You can have the world's best pit crew. But you will never win a Formula One race without taking a pit stop. Every sport has a break, has a pause, has a recharging period in it. And you know, they, they have a period or uh, a quarter, first quarter, second quarter. So the question is, do you know when to strategically pit stop? You pit stop too soon, your competition is going to pass you, you'll lose. You pit too late, your tires are going to get slick, you slam into the wall, and now you lost all of your investment. So the trick is right. to know when to strategically take that pit stop. When we take that pit stop and work on recharging ourselves to be still, that's where our creativity, that's where our talent bubbles to the surface so we have clarity what direction to pursue. So if you're asking what direction to pursue, I give people the option of the slow boat to China, you can take the plane, or you can take the private you know, spaceship all the way there. Each has a different price point. Slow boat to China is pick up the book. If you want to get it for free, you can go to my website, chadecooper.com, and you can get the audio book for free there. What I'd invite you to do is I have two foundations, one of which right now is supporting the Dorian Relief for the Bahamas. It also supports Guatemala missions that I do in, in the indigenous people of New Zealand. If you go to my website, chadecooper.com forward slash free courses, free being the key word, then you can get a free course on this. If you would, it's up to your heart. If it served you, make a donation. 100% of it goes to the foundation. The second way is you can join a 12-week program that I have that gives you lifetime access to it. I'm not like these people out there less that it's like, okay, you got to keep paying every six months or I'm going to cut you off. No, once you're in, you're in. It's got a closed community that you have to be willing to come and empty your cup and receive, but you also got to contribute. God has given you some unique gifts, and the world needs to hear them. Here's a platform for you to begin to be able to share those. And then I have coaching one-on-one. -on -one. So whatever works for you, just start by going to the website. Well, very nice. You know, um, it's, it's pretty palatable, the compassion you have for humanity, the the words you speak, the um, 
the intent of your message. It's it's quite clear that um, you're a very compassionate person towards the uh, the the benefit of humanity. So I want to I want to really applaud you for what you've accomplished in your life and this platform that you've created to help others uh, succeed for themselves. So kudos to you for what you've done. I mean, uh, I, I just, I find it very uh, um, sincere and, and passionate how, how you show up for others. So I very much applaud you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It, uh, it, it is part of my core values and I just see, I, I get rid of the labels less and I'm about helping the human condition. I look at, at each person and get rid of the labels and go, you're part of me. We're all connected. And when we do that, then life's just sunnier. Life's a little bit yep. better. Yeah. Well, we have just about a minute left. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? I will say the last parting piece here is you may be tempted to try to make big dramatic changes. It's kind of like a rubber band, Les. You know when you pull it back and then you're trying to, to get it at just the right tension and it slips and it snapbacks and hurts you. Is when we grow in just little consistent and persistent amounts, then our, our comfort zone is something that we can grow with and in, in not suddenly snap back. But when we try to make too much change all at once, it's kind of like that rubber band that, that stings us. So instead, what I would say is just a little bit of change, a little bit of change, a little bit of change. If you're persistent and consistent with that, you will achieve great things. Beautiful. Well, Chad, I've very much enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. It's been a sheer pleasure. It's It's been an honor. I love the, the conversation, and I hope I've inspired people not just to, to be motivated, but to actually go after some lasting transformation in their life. So hope that uh, the, we can, 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 can together make some of that shift happen. Beautiful. We've been talking with Chad E. Cooper, and the topic tonight has been four strategies to transform stress into success. And that's the subtitle of his book, Time Isn't the Problem, You Are. Again, his uh, webpage is chadecooper.com. Chad's story is just a wonderful example of uh, in my words, the evolution of consciousness. I mean, as he shared the the story of his life, um, he, there were so many times that he reinvented himself. And, uh, and I think that's a fundamental a- attribute to consciousness itself. Consciousness seeks to express itself in new and evolving ways. I mean, nature is a, nature's a beautiful example of that in, in it, how it's constantly reinventing itself over and over and over again. Um, you are, you, the listener, me, every one of us, we are, we are this infinite well of inspiration. Our, our heart and our soul have this infinite well of inspiration that doesn't care what age we are. It doesn't care what our past is. And when, when you can tune into that inspiration, that inner inspiration, and then, and then honor it with, with action, you literally become this evolving platform of inspired living. And talk about <laughs> talk about knowing how to enjoy your life, how to how to. Uh, I always say, if you want to enjoy your life, learn how to enjoy today. Hey, well, you know, we're we're pretty much out of time. I want to thank you, the audience, for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure. I, I have a passion to bring episodes to you to help your life evolve and grow. Thanks for listening. Until next time. 
This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.